This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House USA, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders in America. My name is Nick Hoadley and I'm the CEO of Insurance Search. We specialize in helping insurance businesses grow and multiply their growth by attracting, recruiting and retaining the highest performing insurance professionals in the country. Each week in the Coffee House, we interview leading insurance business leaders and discover how they achieve their success, learn what advice they have for other aspiring insurance business leaders, and we discover what makes their business an attractive proposition for high-performing talent. This week, we're joined by Carl Bloomfield, Managing Director of the New York office of the Graham Company. Welcome to the show, Carl. Hey, Nick. Glad to be with you today. Thanks, Carl. It's an absolute pleasure to have you join us on the show today. We're really looking forward to hearing about your career and the insights and learnings that we can gain from you today. Before we go into the main body of our questions, though, Carl, I'd just like to ask you if you can just share a little bit about your background and your career and also the work you're doing there now at the Graham Company. Sure, Nick. I've been with the Graham Company uh, about 15 years As you said, I'm managing director of our New York City office, which is our uh, biggest strategic initiative in the last five years is to expand into New York. But my career hasn't always been in insurance. I'm actually a pretty common case for my company. We hire from outside the insurance industry. Uh, 15 years ago, I was working in operations and logistics. I was a general manager with Aramark. Uh, prior to that, I worked for Cardinal Health uh, as an operations manager and in sales. And then prior to that, I was in the military. Uh, I was an infantry officer stationed down in Fort Benning, Georgia. So when I got out of the Army, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, I got into operations and logistics. And it was a great ride. It's where I really honed a lot of my leadership skills. You know, the military is one thing, it's a different kind of leadership than in the civilian world. But then I decided to make that career change to Graham 15 years ago, and it's been a, it's been a, a great ride since. Fantastic. And how have you found your transition from military career, obviously through logistics into insurance? Is there a lot of transferable skills? Presumably, there's a lot of leadership skills that you've brought with you. Sure. I think discipline is probably the uh, the skill that was most transferable. Uh, I don't think that's just unique to the insurance industry. I think it's unique to any having any successful careers. You need to have some discipline. You need to work hard. The military, obviously, those two traits were very important. And uh, they've probably been the two traits that have served me the best in my civilian career. And moving on now to your, your time at the Graham Company, I understand you've got some some big plans, some ambitious growth plans for the business. Could you share a little bit more about those, please? Sure. Uh, Graham historically operated out of one office in Philadelphia, and it's only recently where we decided to expand geographically. And the New York marketplace for us, you know, we always, we've had business there, but we were probably a $2 million market uh, before we put a stake in the ground and, and um, actually put people in New York. Uh, in the two years that we've uh, been in New York, we've 
quadrupled the, the book of business. And my plan is to have the New York market be as big as the Philadelphia office within the next five to six years, which is would be substantial amount of growth. Uh, but we, you know, we got the plan in place to do it. And, you know, COVID tried to set us back a little bit, but uh, we're actually still making a lot of progress on our strategic plan in New York. Great. I imagine moving with the reputation that you have in Philadelphia, how, how do you find moving into that new market perhaps is less mature for you as a business? Yeah, that's a great question, Nick, because one of the things that have always made us successful is our brand reputation. And then we moved to New York, we were a little bit of an unknown. We we often got criticized by our competitors that we were not a New York broker. And then we would always counter that with, well, maybe you don't think we're a New York broker, but we understand the issues that New York clients have just as well as anybody. And we have access to the to the markets that they have as well. And what ended up happening is we started picking off a few clients one by one from some of the biggest brokers in New York. And we kind of created some a groundswelling and uh, of people referring us to others. Like, you got to talk to this company, a Graham company. And frankly, Nick, I probably wanted to stay uh, a little bit more of an unknown entity to my competitors longer than we did. But uh, we're definitely a well-known entity to our competitors in New York now. They, they, they know us because we've, we've tagged them with taking a client uh, from probably all the big ones. So, yeah, you know, I would have appre- uh, appreciated being more of a sneak attack for a few more years on some of these. But, you know, I guess that goes with the territory. When you have some success, people are going to talk about it. That's right. It sounds, it sounds like that success means you, you're unable to stay under the radar Thank you, Carl. I think it's always great to get some background into, into you and also the business itself, really to provide some context to, to the main body of our questions today. So, so thank you for that. Before we do start, though, can I just ask you, what's your coffee of choice on a Monday morning? Yeah, so I was afraid you were going to kick me off the show. I'm not a huge coffee drinker, but I drink espresso, double espressos or what I, I you know, just just give it to me. Give me the jolt. Well, that will come in very handy later on in the show for our espresso round, Carl. Carl, to kick us off then, how did you break into your leadership position there? And how did you find transitioning from your from your previous role? Sure. Before I answer the question specifically, let me just talk about something, a principle that I've had in my entire career uh, that helped me break into this leadership role at Graham. You know, I developed this saying really early on, uh, and it's it's going to seem like common sense and a no-brainer, and I've had people tell me as much, but it's something that I still don't see people doing out in the workplace. And I, this saying or mantra that I have is, I am solely and completely responsible for my own career development and advancement. And what I'm really getting at here is that it's nobody else's responsibility to help you grow or develop your talents and what you need to do. Now, listen, great companies are going to train their people, right? But great companies don't often know exactly what all of their people need. If there's a skill set that I'm lacking or something that I need to do better, it is my responsibility to go out and better myself. It is no one else's responsibility to do that for me. So it's always been, I've always viewed it as my responsibility to do, uh, to improve myself. Similarly, and the reason how I got to this leadership position in Graham is, it is your responsibility to make your voice heard. 
It is your responsibility to speak up and ask for the position. Put your name, throw your hat into the ring. And that's what I did at Graham. There was an opportunity uh, that opened up um, to run one of our big industry practices. And quite frankly, my experience uh, in that particular industry wasn't great. I didn't have, and it was the health and human services practice before I took over the New York office. My background, didn't, I didn't have a ton of experience in that, but I knew I had the leadership ability to do it. And that's what the team needed. The team needed a leader. They didn't need uh, an expert in healthcare. Yeah. So I threw my uh, name into the, into the pool. Uh, I set a plan. I, I drafted a plan uh, to present to the executives of the company for why I should be that person. And I was fortunate enough to be selected. And, uh, you know, from there, I've, I've taken some other lead, uh, leadership roles at the company. And it's really been based on my philosophy or mantra of, you know, you're responsible for your own career development and advancement. And another point I want to make is, you know, leadership and position are two different things, Nick. Getting a leadership position, that, that's an event that happened in my career. But being a leader at the Graham Company was something that I always wanted to be, even if I didn't have the position of leadership. Yeah. So when the opportunity became available to get that leadership position, I had already proven myself as a leader. And that made the transition much easier. And, you know, you know, hearing a little bit about my background earlier in this segment, you know, I was in the military. I, I was an officer. I chose to go in the infantry because that's where I felt uh, the most leadership was needed. You want to be at the tip of the spear. You want to be out front with the men fighting. Um, I had honed myself for years and years and years to be a leader. So, the transition into a leadership role at Graham for me was pretty natural. Um, it was pretty comfortable. Carl, thank you so much. That's a, that's an awesome answer. I think sometimes when we're speaking to some of the executives that we work with, it's the position that is their goal in their career rather than, like you said, becoming a leader outright and then moving into that opportunity when it comes about. You, you can't just become a leader the, the first day that you start your new job in a leadership position. You, you've got to grow those qualities ahead of that. I think that's a really inspiring answer, Carl. Thank you. Yeah, and that's one of the major differences between the military and the civilian world. In the military, you have positional leadership. I mean, just by your rank. When I moved out to the civilian world, you know, you have the position and title, but you don't necessarily have the legal authority. People don't have to follow you because you say so like they do in the military. Uh, so that really heightened my awareness of what it takes to be a leader. Yeah, leadership struggles in the military or in civilian world, or many of them are the same, but there's that one element in the civilian world that you don't have is guess what? People don't have to listen to you in the civilian world. That's right. And, and what's been your biggest achievement in your leadership career today? Sure. I, th I think it's developing the people that have worked for me. Any good leader wants to develop their replacement. Uh, and one specific example is there's, there's a guy that works for me and I've been his mentor since he started at the Graham company nine years ago. So nine years ago, when I had no leadership role at the Graham company, no formal leadership position with the Graham company, I was 
this gentleman's mentor. And my, I would say my greatest success is developing this individual into one of our top people and one of our future leaders uh, in the organization. I think that is something that I've always done. I have another example when I worked at Cardinal Health. Uh, there was a, a younger supervisor that worked for me uh, when I was the operations manager. And uh, I just caught back up with him uh, about a month ago. And he is now the president of a company. And he was one of my supervisors in in our in my operation. And I'm so pleased to, to see his success. And, you know, he would tell you that, you know, we helped each other along. And I, and I definitely had a role in that. But he, he just definitely had all of the characteristics of somebody. And when you find somebody like that, you want to develop them. And that's, that's my greatest success as a leader has just been developing the people around me. I love that, Carl. It's very clear from what you're saying that those biggest achievements, what other people are doing and, and how you've developed them over the years rather than your own personal achievements. I, I think that's, that's a great quality to have in a leader. Carl, have you had a time in your career or a position in your career where you were overlooked for a role and how did you deal with that sure the example i would the best example of this is when i was with cardinal health and as i mentioned i was the operations manager i ran uh, one of the largest distribution centers uh, revenue producing uh, distribution centers in the country Uh, at the time i had 180 people reporting to me and we produced seven billion dollars a year out of my facility And about 24 months in, um, after we had gone from being the worst distribution center in the country to the best distribution center in the country based on the metrics that the company set for us, um, there was a sales manager role that opened up and that I threw my name in the ring for. Just like I said earlier, my first answer, you know, I'm responsible for my career development. And I recognize that for me to get to the next level at Cardinal Health, I had to have sales experience. I never had sold before. So I threw my name into the ring for that sales manager role, interviewed, thought the interviews went great and didn't get it. And I didn't get it because they told me I never carried the bag. I got to carry the bag first. Yeah. Uh, they didn't think salespeople would follow me uh, having never sold. And you know, it was a bruise to my ego because I always would say that you know leadership and sales, they're two different things. I think I have the qualities that people would follow, even though I never sold before. But it was a great lesson, right? It was a great lesson that I learned. I did move into a sales role. I learned that day in, day out of a salesperson. I had some success early on, which helped my credibility. And then in about 12 months, they again approached me about taking over that sales role. And so I think handling the the rejection, some grace and going out and doing the job and, and just working very hard uh, enabled me to really grow as an individual and grow as, as a leader. And it's also the position that kind of set the rest of my career because from then on, I, I've always been in sales roles. So you really learned from that, Carl, by the sounds of it. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. If I would have just you know, been all upset that I didn't get the role and been disgruntled about it, I, I, I would have probably kept myself from learning the real lessons in that. And the managers that told me I wasn't ready for the job, they were spot on. Hmm. They did me a good service by making me carry the bag. 
Carl, if we can now sort of look to the present day and, and, and the future, at the Graham Company, how are you adopting new technology or implementing digital changes to meet and exceed your customers' experience and expectations? Great. This is a huge focus for us. We actually created two task force. First task force is uh, customer experience. We have a team of people across all of our organization that are they're really looking at how to improve the customer's experience in dealing with Graham Company. And then the second task force is what we call the I-team. It's essentially focused on how to implement technology into the organization. And these two task force overlap with their individuals that, that sit on both of those teams and really focusing on technology that we can bring to the organization that's going to improve our customer experience. And I would say the, the pace of change right now is, is rapid. There's some that are saying we're almost moving a little bit too quickly with how much we're advancing technology. Uh, but I think we were coming from a position of weakness in this area, and now we've really caught up. And in some regards, I think we're ahead of our competitors. There's a lot of tools out there. We are a member of BrokerTech. Uh, we're one of the, the contributing founding partners of BrokerTech. I think everybody's probably familiar with InsureTech, which we felt was more focused on the insurance company aspect of it. And we wanted to be a part of a fund that helped companies that were looking to make changes in the broker world. So that's why we, we decided to go in that direction. So I think the pace of change is fast. It's good. Uh, there's a lot of specific initiatives I can point to, but I think there's a lot of great technology out there. You just need to be able to evaluate which ones fit your organization. And I think we have the resources in place to do that. Great. And and as a leader, how do you bring the people from your business along with you on that technology change? That's that's you know probably one of the biggest challenges you have is people don't like change. And sometimes people need to be forced to adopt the technology. But I think the thing that has helped my team anyway is we spend a lot of time trying to focus on the benefits of the technology and how it's going to make them more competitive, how it's going to make them more efficient, how it's going to improve their quality of life. It's really about finding out what motivates the individual, what things are important to them. And if you're able to identify that and then match that up with what the technology is providing, you get a lot higher adoption rate. I certainly agree with that. And what what major challenges do you see ahead for insurance executives? Is it using that technology? And how should they adapt to be successful in the future? Sure. I, I mean, I look at this problem, the major challenges, I look at the broker side and I look at the carrier side, and I'll try to answer both. I think one issue that both sides of the house are going to have is talent. Talent, and you're in this world, you know better than I. Uh, but I think the stats are something like in the next seven years, there's about 400,000 insurance professionals that are going to retire. And if you look at the universities in the United States, I think we're only graduating a bit, about 8,000 risk management insurance majors a year. So obviously, there's a huge gap. There's going to be uh, a huge gap in talent if the industry is going to, you know, maintain the kind of levels of uh, management and staffing that we've been accustomed to. So I think we need to look outside the box. I think we need to look outside of the industry for talent. 
And that's something the Graham company has always done well. We historically always hire from outside yeah. the, the industry. The next challenge, I think, is especially on the agency side, is succession planning. Many private independently owned agencies have not prepared enough to perpetuate their business. And what does this mean? This means consolidation on the broker side. This means agencies having to sell. And I think that's really disruptive to the clients. It's disruptive to the individuals that work at these agencies. And it really limits the number of choices that that people have in the marketplace. On the company side, in addition to talent, I think the major challenges are keeping up with technology demands, how to deal with catastrophic type loss, uh, including social inflation. The, the hard market that we're in right now, especially in the umbrella segment, is specifically related to this. And I think lo- long-term low interest rates are something that is going to impact the carriers. As a whole, I think the industry needs to do a better job with the customer experience. I think this is a challenge. I think as consumers in our, in our personal lives, we are getting so conditioned to having such a smooth and easy customer experience. I think of Amazon when I think about this. I order something today and it could even be on my doorstep this afternoon. I think the insurance industry is doing a pretty poor job in the area of customer service and experience. The way that we sometimes deliver the message is really without empathy. Um, I think the way that uh, the industry underwrites is sometimes challenging. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really, really result in a great customer experience for either the broker or the insured. So those are just some of them. I, I think I rattled off a lot of them. I, I think those are some of the challenges the industry faces. Yeah, fantastic. I think certainly gives our listeners some pause for thought there, Carl. Thank you so much for that. We now turn to your favorite coffee, the espresso round. Short, sharp and straight to the point. So can I ask you, Carl, are you ready for the espresso round? I'm ready, Nick. Bring it on. The espresso round. Carl, what are the characteristics about the Graham Company that makes it such a great place to work at? Our culture. The people we hire, everyone's high performing, yet we treat each other like family. It's a very high performing culture, but we're always eager to help each other out. No one's kind of tearing someone else down to get ahead. I think that's really special. That's a great mix to have. I know for a company, a mid-size broker, you only really deal in the, the very high end insurance programs. Do you think that's something that's attractive to high quality professionals? I think so. I think this sophistication and complexity of the clients that we work with uh, really does attract talented people. If I were focusing on small kind of vanilla risk, I could very easily see that getting boring. Mm -hmm. And I think what we do and the way we do it uh, is really attractive to high-performing individuals. Um, it really, there really is a lot at stake for our our clients. If we don't get it right, there could be something really wrong that can happen and impact the the future of our clients' business. And what sort of opportunities can you offer to those high-performing insurance professionals? Yeah, so we're in growth mode and expansion mode, as you mentioned. That you know, I'm running the New York City office, and we've only began to expand. So. A high performer, talented individual could come to the Graham company and immediately make an impact. They could immediately, with 
you know, some proven track record show that they should be running a market center for us. Uh, they could be adding to our industry capabilities. So I just think there's so much opportunity for high performers to come to the Graham company and make a difference. Fantastic. What are the three essential things that you look for when hiring these talented individuals? To our integrity, creative outside the box thinking and results, not just talk. <laughs> Somebody has those three things. I think we could do very well together. Is, is that very much aligned with the culture of the business? I know obviously integrity is very, very important for your business, but that thinking outside of the box and being creative with your thinking and ideas and problem solving, is that very much embedded in the culture of the business? Well, I'd say two of those three were always embedded in a culture. I would say the creative outside the box thinking is something that we are doing much different with. We had some sacred cows for years. Yeah. You know, this is the way we do it because this has always gotten us the best result. Well, we're, we're starting to challenge some of those norms and the creative outside the box thinking is refreshing, you know, that we're actually looking at doing things differently. I think, I think that's very powerful attraction actually Carl I think there's a lot of businesses and a lot of insurance professionals out there who will be stuck in a bit of a rut with not many options at their current provider not that opportunity to be creative and to come up with new ideas and new ways of delivering that customer satisfaction that we were talking about earlier what is the largest challenge you face when recruiting these individuals and what are your sort of biggest frustrations that you do get with the recruitment process Sure. Our biggest challenge recruiting is in the area of producers. Because of our model of hiring from outside the insurance industry, we we are trying to attract what I feel is somewhat of a unicorn in that we want producers to be salespeople, but we also want them to be technical. And not having experience in the industry kind of slows down that process or slows down our ability to figure out who's going to make it and who's not. And as a result, we have a pretty high washout rate. And I think the industry as a whole has a high washout rate for producers. But I think we spend a tremendous amount of money training producers that just ultimately aren't going to make it. So it's very frustrating. It's costly to the business. I wish we had kind of that silver bullet on what's going to help us determine if a producer can make it or not in our business. The key is getting it right at the outset there so you don't suffer those costs of investment that we make with any any producer. Carl, if there are any insurance executives out there in the United States at the moment considering their next move or opportunity, what would be your advice be to them at the moment? My advice would be to don't be afraid to go outside your comfort zone. Go for that bigger role the one that you are not sure you're even qualified for. It goes back a lot uh, in line with my mantra from the beginning, my saying about I'm solely and completely responsible for my own development. You know, I think, remember, position and leadership are two different things. Hmm. You might not have the experience in a position, but you sure might have the leadership ability and qualities to take that position over and do a good job in it. So I think... Don't be afraid to get outside your comfort zone. Uh, I bet you can learn pretty quickly. It's, you know, if you have integrity and a desire to learn, you could be successful in any role. That would be my biggest advice to anybody. There speaks a man who walks the walk well as talking the talk. Thank you, 
We've almost reached the end of our time together in the Insurance Coffee House USA today. But before we go, can I just ask if you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners and how do they go about contacting you after the show? Sure, Nick. I think have fun. Don't take yourself too seriously. This business is hard. Uh, competition is tough. Don't be afraid to make mistakes and as long as you're willing to learn from them. So if you're having fun and you're, you take some chances, you make some mistakes and you don't take yourself too seriously, you're going to be all right. You're going to have the longevity in this industry. If you don't do that, I think you'll probably experience burnout and maybe move on from this industry that I think is so great. If you want to contact me, I can be contacted on LinkedIn or I'll give you my email address at Graham Company. It's cbloomfield at gramco.com. Fantastic. Thank you, Carl. We'll, um, we'll be sure to put those contact details on the podcast show notes. Thank you so much for your time today. Really do appreciate it. I think your insights and your your background and your leadership background have been very, very inspiring. And I'm sure our listeners would have really enjoyed listening to you today. Thank you, Nick. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's our pleasure, Carl. It's our pleasure. To all the insurance business leaders out there, whether you're based in the United States or internationally in the UK, Europe or around the world, we thank you for listening today. And I'm sure you would have gained a lot of insight and learnings from Carl. If you did enjoy the show, please do leave us a review on your podcast app and remember to download and subscribe to the show so that you receive brand new episodes into your podcast app each week. Till next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House USA. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.